Loaded Does he sit second, man? No, I don't I think he does. I think Kevin Keegan probably sits second. <laughs> oh God, what a scandal. Austin Eckler versus the cards. Go and fuck the lot of you. <laughs> I think Tom Naylor's going to be the nailed on holder midfielder, so it's just who goes. Unbelievable. Hello and welcome to episode 62 of Loaded Sport, where today we are going to be breaking down the latest of the transfer news, a little preview towards the start of the Premier League season, and of course the latest in the world of compact with another edition of Kempe's Combat Corner. There's only three of us today. I know okay, you're going to say compa. it. Yeah, I said it straight away. I realised afterwards I'd said it. I get one job, don't I? And uh, it is in the absence of skin in Good which start, I get mate. this job. Good start. I know. I've absolutely no idea where he's gone, but I'm sure we'll find out next week when he brings another shirt from a local side. So we're going to find out then. Um, yes, yeah, so I'll introduce yourself, you both now, seeing as you've kind of introduced yourself. We'll start with uh, Sam, who last weekend got to see the start of a new season for his side. And I'd say after your predictions, you dare say that not going for them to get promotion could have, in fact, been the kiss of death. Well, you doing? Uh, I mean, you know what I mean? Well, I'm, I'm a Dali fan, mate. I've been through the mill time and time again. I know what we're like. I know Kempi put a bet on them and they, they, they well, didn't disappoint in the way they always disappoint. So never, ever back Derby. It's the one golden rule in all of sport. And yeah, shit, mate. To be fair, we we actually played, we're probably the better side for, i probably say, 75 minutes of the game, but two absolute fucking howlers to concede and, and it is what it is. But yeah, um, in your intro, mate, did something happen to your eyesight? You went pure David Blunkett. You were like, just fucking... Look, looking everywhere, but down the uh, set for, forward and centre. Are you all right, mate? I'm just checking in on you. No, mate. I have to be careful with uh, looking at computer screens, don't I? At the moment, until I get my glasses, this is just how it's going to be for me. At the oh, moment. it's one of them, is it? Excuses yeah. coming out already. Get the excuses in nice and early. Just get it out of the way. Uh, yes, all good. Um, so yes, Kemp. Also, you've had a bit of a delayed excitement for yourself. We've had, of course, Chesterfield starting last weekend, Derby starting last weekend. You get the excitement for a little bit longer before the disappointment that Sheffield United will surely bring you this Premier League season. <laughs> I'll tell you something right now. There's no excitement going off in my head about <laughs> Sheffield United this season. So, but thank you for for bringing it up. And to be fair, I'm going to pull you up on something you said about Derby. There, you you mentioned the start to the League One season had not been successful. Defeat against Wigan, losing losing my bet for me at home at Pride Park when they played so well in the friendly against us. We mm. forgot to mention the fact that they lost 2-0 to Blackpool midweek as well in the Carabao Cup, Adam. I just Sam, not bothered about that at I'm, all? I'm, honestly, mate, honestly. And I think you know as much as anybody when it comes to that competition in a, in a league where we've not got the biggest of squads. I could not have given two fucks about that defeat. In fact, if I'm being completely honest, I was quite happy about it. One one extra bit of fish. Don't forget, we've got that fucking St. Johnston paint fucking Tim Pot trophy we've got to compete in and all. So for me, I was quite glad that we that we went out. We didn't go to penalties or anything like that. Straight two 0 loss. Apparently we played fucking shocking. I seen Warren after game. He weren't, weren't kind to the players at all. So yeah, I'm not going to defend them any way, shape, or form because don't get me wrong, it was a really bad performance. And obviously they didn't go out to purposely lose the game. But I'm personally as a fan glad that we did get knocked out from the get go. And that's sort of really where I was getting at. Is, is it more concerning about the performance? Because you played quite a few first-teamers. Is it more concerning about the performance rather than result? Like, for, for example, in the Carabao Cup, I agree with you completely. If we could go out the first round that we're in it, just play kids and get knocked out, but put in a good showing, that's perfect for me. But if we play a first-team and get decis- decisively beaten by, Black- <clears throat> by Blackpool, surely there's got to be a bit of concern there, no? Um... 
Not so sure. So just just looking, you say obviously first team, which to be fair, there was a lot of starters playing. Just quickly go over the lineup. So in we had a debut, debutant in net Vickers started in net the first time. We had same back three that started in the weekend. Wilson made his his first start. Um, Elder made his first start, and Washington and Waggon both made the first start. So both up front as well. So to be fair, we had like five debutants. So it weren't like it were a complete carbon copy of team that faced Wigan, but you do expect better, of course you do. Um, and it's it's difficult with Derby because obviously we went through this last season getting a completely new team in and we was hoping this would be the season that everyone's gelled together we go again they've got his team Warney's got his team together and we seem to have started again fresh again we've got another next to a fucking brand new team bar a couple of sprinklings uh, the same senior players that, that played last season but it, it looked for all the world like we're starting again so I'm not expecting anything until probably 10 games in until we start gelling again and, and we're going to have to go again it looks like yeah, fair enough. And uh, just wanted to just confirm that because I want somebody else on the podcast or in life to be as negative about this upcoming season as I am. I'm struggling. <laughs> I just trying to drag me down here. Struggling to find a fan base that's more negative than Blades at the minute, but we've got every right to be. But yeah, mm. apart from that, I'm fantastic. Mr. White, man with the mic. We're back again. It's Thursday. It's, it's, it's a preview show. It's the Premier League return. It's fantasy Premier League return. The NFL's around the corner. Kempi's comeback corner is on fire. Can't and wait for NFL. Can't wait for NFL. Game. What an extended extended intro this has been, by the way. A little deep dive into Derby as we go. Aggie, how are you doing, mate? You all right? I am, mate. Yeah, we uh, we got a nice win at the weekend, even though we made it hard work for ourselves. So, yeah, that's always good. And, of course, I'm going away tomorrow. So, uh, looking forward to uh, being away for a nice little 10-day break as opposed to the usual seven days that I get to go for. So, it's a good chunk, that is. Very good chunk. And I think the nice weather's come just at the right time. So a lot for me to uh, to look forward to. Uh, we will kick things off by talking about the Premier League and one person in particular that we've spoken a little bit about over the course of the summer and potential landing spots for him. It looks like a deal has finally been agreed between the two clubs as Bayern Munich and Spurs have come to an agreement that could see the departure of Harry Kane from the Premier League throughout this transfer window. So, Sam, I'll come to you first. I know we, we talk a lot about me being, you know, the, the old-fashioned, the dinosaur of the group in terms of time. the preferences and, of course, me not wanting Alan Shearer's record to be broken. Harry Kane's now in this. Does he need to break the record and stay in the Premier League or do you think it's a case of go to Bayern and win some trophies? Because he's not going to win them at Spurs, is he? It's, um, you know what, it's a fucking very, very split, controversial question you've just asked me there. The reason being, obviously, I do most of the tweet, let's say Twitter, it's uh, X now, innit? I do know most of the uh, the posts on X, our platform there. Um, and I, I put the post out today. Um, what would what should what should he do? Stay for the goals and get the record or, or leave and get the trophies? It was 50-50, dead straight down the middle with about, I think, about 14, 15 votes. So, yeah, that just shows you how split this question is for me for me personally straight down the middle <laughs> how can there have been 15 sorry it was 14 you're right it was, it was four i said four it was 14 i must have been or inflated numbers weren't out i'm trying to make it sound better than it was yeah you, you've caught me out there you've caught me out it was, it was 14 i had to I, would say. I had to yeah fair play fair play uh yeah 14 votes on, on the final one it was seven apiece um for me personally, I voted for stay and get the goals. Um, so, sort of in the same camp as you here, I give it a bit of a traditionalist other than the fact that I do want him to break Shearer's record. I think 
someone on Twitter on X raised a very good point in the fact that when they speak of Alan Shearer, they always speak about his Premier League all-time goal, goal scoring record. They never really mention his Premier League winners medal, which is bad when you actually think about it. So for me, I I think getting that um, getting that all-time top scorer, I think that's a fucking very prestigious thing to do. No one's been able to do it since Shearer. And, and how many great strikers have had Thierry Henry, Aguero, Rooney, um, at Thomas Kemp. And uh, his fucking called him said Thomas Kemp and all. I've just noticed on stream. I've done it again. So yeah, there's been a livid. <laughs> it will be livid. Dawson will be livid. So we've had that many good, good strikers, and it's still Shearer sitting there at top. So it just shows how hard it is to beat that record. And I think he's what about forty-seven-ish goals away from from breaking it, which in his his terms is what two seasons worth. So yeah. for me, it'd be a no-brainer. I think if he does want to move abroad for the trophies, do it in three years' time once he's already got the record. That would be my my logic and. I can't really blame him for. T- it sounds like he's now come out and he's, he's, he's saying he doesn't actually want to leave. It's looking like he wants to stay rather than Levy's trying to push him out the door, which doesn't really surprise you when it, you, you feel like, obviously, in, in a year's time, he's going to go for nothing to one of their Premier League rivals. So, yeah, for me, it, if I were Kane, I'd be staying and I'd be wanting that uh, that Premier League tally. What about you, uh, Kemp? What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying and um, I, I, I half agree, I half disagree. So, I agree with the fact that I don't think ide- the ideal scenario is to move abroad. Mm. I don't think that's the ideal situation for anybody in this in this situation. I think Bayern need a striker. You know, since Lewandowski, they've not really had anybody that's been able to bang those goals in for him. Um, so, he, so he's a perfect fit for them. Having said that, I think Kane moving out to Bayern, you know, winning a couple of Bundesligas. I'm not sure that's going to satisfy the doubters, and you know, mm. and they'll look at the end of Kane's career and say, "Oh, well, he won a couple of Bundesliga Bundesligas for Bayern." Because let's be honest, and this is not even hyperbole, right? Any of us three could be named in that Bayern 25-man squad and pick up a Bundesliga medal. Exactly. You know, that's you know what I mean? So, so I understand what you're saying, and I agree with you in that respect. I think staying at Spurs long term would be a mistake. Agreed. I, wonder whether he is comfortable being the big fish in the relatively small pond. I wonder if he's comfortable taking, you know, son beside him, Kulievsky, Madison's obviously joined and just, you know, being a Spurs player for life and one club man and all this shit. And just being, like I say, a very, you know, very big fish in a relatively small pond, not winning anything, but breaking the record. I think the win-win and ideal situation for Kane is that his contract runs down and that he goes to another club. But my question to you and my question to Aggie is, let's say, for example, Hoyland has a good season this season, starts coming into his own towards the back end of the season. Darwin, Darwin, Nunes does as well as people expect him to potentially do in his second season. Haaland is Haaland, so he's not going to, you know, he's, he's a machine. So, what's the landing spot for Kane at the end of the season if those things happen and he doesn't sign a new contract? Um, I mean, I think the Hoyland question is quite a big if. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you, if he does have a, se- a good season, it's a difficult question. That's, that's the hypothetical. That's the hypothetical. Hypothetically, then, if he goes and scores 18 to 20 goals this season and he's looking all the world like he's going to be the next Haaland, obviously, it's a very tough decision for United. They probably won't. I'd probably say realistically, they probably wouldn't want to sign him at, at 31 with a big contract. Um, you'd have to say Arsenal. I think Arsenal would be a, a good fit for him. Whether or not he wants to cross that divide with North London, 
it, it, Arsenal haven't still haven't to this day. They've got Jesus, but behind Jesus, I mean, they've just signed that fucking useless bag of bollocks. Um, the one that Gary Havertz. Neville on the on the overlap said is a is a is a world class player and he's amazing. Who Havertz? Yeah. Wow, yeah. I've not no, seen I, that one. No idea where that's come from, but yeah, wow. I watched the uh, the latest edition of the overlap, and uh, it's very interesting because Gary Neville thinks yeah. very highly of him, and I'm not quite sure why, but there you go. Mm, one of the very few that I've heard had good things to say about him. But yeah, there's always a slot that slot there for Arsenal. Again, that's a massive if, because like I say, crossing that North London divide that would fucking massively tarnish essentially everything he's done at Tottenham. He's their top scorer, so maybe I'm I'm dreaming there, kind of, but. Yeah, it's a tough question. It is a tough question if if uh, Hoyland does have. But let's be fair, Hoyland looks like he's not going to be rushed back. He's, he's, he's got a back injury at the minute, which looks more serious than they were first led to believe. It's the same same symptoms as the injury Rashford had, which ruled him out for two months at the top of the year in, in March. Um, it's, it's, it's a stress... It's all the symptoms of a stress fracture in his in his spine, but it's not actually the fracture itself. So they they're on the side of caution where they're just going to rest him for a couple um, a month or maybe, and it is going to heal over it. But if he does if it does go and he does stress fracture his, his back, then he's going to be fucked for a couple of months, and and then then questions about Kane are going to come in. But like you say, if it is hypothetical that he does have a good season, then it, it is a difficult question to answer. I must admit. And that's the thing. That's that's the main thing for me when I look at Kane. I think he's staying at Spurs for another year. He's, he's decided to do that rather than go win trophies. Again, don't think it's ideal to go to Bayern and win trophies over there because a Bundesliga, let's be, let's be honest again, any of us could win that. I think it's the but easy way. I, th- I think he's playing with fire if he doesn't, though. That's the problem. I think if he says, I'm staying at Spurs, I'm going to let my contract run down and then I'm going to go somewhere at the end of the season. Like, like Sam's just said, if Hoyland gets 15 goals and it looks like he's really coming on strong at the end of the season... I'm sorry, Sam, but I couldn't disagree more. He ain't going to Arsenal. No, no you're probably right. Yeah, Arsenal. you're right there. Chelsea, you know, they, they've Chelsea's. Got, I think Chelsea probably could. What do you but think to Newcastle? You, well, you could, you could, but you look nah. at you no? look at Chelsea, and then you look at the financial fair play. You look at how much money they spent. Look at how many wages they've got going out. They've brought Nicholas Jackson in. They've paid a fortune for him. Are they going to just going to give up on him on, after one season? Yeah, I can see it. Could you? Chelsea Spurs and the Chelsea Spurs rivalry is pretty big as well so yeah, not, not quite as big I as Arsenal I just don't see it I think he is playing with fire a little bit not deciding to go and to be quite honest with you I honestly do think there is a part of Kane and I'm not saying all of it but there is definitely a part of Kane that's thinking mm, I'm comfortable here I'm happy here I can break record. Maybe I won't win any trophies, but you know I'm a Spurs man. I can go down in Spurs folklore, and it just is what it is. And I think he's, I think he's been a little bit of a bottle job about it. I don't think he's betting on himself, and I think he ought to. I think. I think before I, I want to get Aggie's opinion on this because he's not really shared much on it. And he mentioned obviously the Newcastle there. Um, is it not unfair to call him a bit of a bottle job, Kane? Because. We're constantly moaning, not moaning so much, but we're constantly pointing out the fact that there's hardly any one-club men anymore. You look at your Paul Scholes, your Gary Neville, your Ryan Giggs, it's a dying breed. They're just Stephen Gerrard, it just doesn't... Well, I know he left at the end of his year, career, but it's a dying breed that doesn't seem to be happening. So why is it such an insult that Harry Kane is staying at Tottenham and why shouldn't we laud him for his loyalty? It don't fuss me that there's no one-club men anymore. It don't, don't bother me. I, that, again... 
Aggie traditionalist, probably really. He's fucking definitely loving one really club gets, man. Probably, probably really gets his game <laughs> that there's no one club man anymore. But I think the games change. You know, you, you're not going to get a class of '92 that are going to stay there till the end of the career. You know, Man United were so dominant; they were a dominant force. There were no reason for Gary Neville, Paul Scholes, Ryan Giggs. There was no reason for them to leave. Why were they going to leave? They were winning Premier League pretty much every other season. They'd, they'd got a chance in Europe every other season. You know, they, they had no reason to leave. They were getting paid a lot. They were looking after the family. They were local lads. Fair enough. With Kane, it depends Kane on what... Kane is getting paid a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. But I'm saying all those other factors are involved as well. But, the ext- you know, you've got to look at things and you've got to say, right, does Harry Kane have the ambition to win? Does he have the ambition to win trophies, win leagues, you know, create a legacy for himself as a trophy winner and not just somebody that can't get the job done? Because while that fucking PE teacher's in charge, he's not winning up with England, we know that. So... If he stays at Spurs, who are also bottle jobs when it comes to trophies, you know, they've not won a trophy in 15 years now, and that was a League Cup, right? Then you look at Kane and you think, well, are you that? Are you motivated to win trophies? Do you want it? Do you want it really bad? Because at the minute, if you're deciding you want to stay with Spurs, especially if you sign a new contract with Spurs, to me, that doesn't indicate that you want to win trophies because Spurs, as they've shown to us, quite happy winning Champions League every season and keeping that financial train rolling. So... Mm. I wonder where his intentions are. Adam, like Sam's just said, you mentioned Newcastle there as a potential landing spot. I don't see that happening in the way that Newcastle no. are doing their business, but what are your thoughts on... I know you want Kane to stay, you've already said that, but what are your thoughts on the entire situation and what we've said so far? I think it, taking the trip to Bayern is going to be like the easy way to win trophies, like we've already said, and if he's going to actually cement a legacy, he's going to need to do something like break Alan Shearer's record, as much as it hurts me to say that. I think the ship has sailed in... A, Many of the Premier League teams that did once have an interest in him, the likes of Chelsea, of course, City was rumoured to at one point before they got Haaland, uh, United, of course, at some point. The one that is sticking out for me a little bit is that Newcastle one. That's simply because people are talking about how they're rebuilding under this new financial structure that they've got. Is there anything stopping them from maybe offering him a you know, a relatively nice sum of money when his contract's up, saying, come and play for us, building a team around him. Is it that age where his experience can be passed on as well? And it could set them up for a big future as well. It could. It definitely could. But two things on that. One, that's not how they've done their business since they've come to the club. They've signed young players. They've signed, you know, it's just signed Tonali from AC Milan. They've signed players with a really high ceiling and, and for a fairly low fee. Yes, they won't be able to have to spend anything on his transfer, but his contract will be the biggest in the Premier League in Newcastle signing. Don't, there's no getting away from that. And secondly, can you see Harry Kane playing in a Newcastle shirt while he breaks Alan Shearer's record? Uh, that would be funny. Um, I, um, I I can't see him going to Newcastle myself for the simple fact that it's a, it's a lateral slash slightly downwards move, I think. I think for, to win in silverware... You, you, Newcastle, let's be fair, we're looking at a long game with that club. We're looking at, they're not going to be realistically successful for another five years, I wouldn't have thought, especially with the business they're going about. It's slow, it's methodical. They're not going overnight and sp- splashing millions and here and there. They're signing, and, and they have been pulled up on it, this transfer window. I know Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher pulled them up on it. So, like, like Kemp says, that kind of transfer signing Arcane just doesn't seem to fit in with the There's no the Rubinho signings, is there? There's no, no. Rubinho signings or Shevchenko signings, is No, there? no none of that. We're going to spend money. No, it's none of that. And, and it's the good way to do it. I do, I must admit, it's, it feels a bit more organic. I know it's, it's fucking oil money at the end of the day, so it's not, but it feels a lot more organic than doing it that way. 
So I wouldn't think he'd go to Newcastle because at the end of the day, he's going to be if it, it's going to be thirty-one. In his contract to have run out, it's going to be next year if he does go to Newcastle. He's going to be thirty-one. They've got a long, you know, a long plan in place. He's going to want if he's going to want to go somewhere, he's going to go going to go somewhere that's going to win trophies. If not, it's better off to sign a new contract at Tottenham because I think Tottenham will probably have just as, as much of a chance at winning an FA Cup or a, a, a Carabao Cup than. Um, the Newcastle have so that that's my two pence in route in regards to Newcastle. I can't. I'd be very surprised if he went to Newcastle. Yeah, I think that's like I say, Newcastle's a bit of an outside shot, and I think the way I looked at that was, you know, Arsenal. He's not going to cross London. Think of what's happened there with the likes of Sol Campbell and Adebayor in the past. That that's been frowned upon. You've got to look at United, City, Chelsea. They're not really sides that are out looking for a striker at the moment, and by the time they are, maybe he's kind of got towards the very back end of his career, whereas he's kind of filtering out from that peak at the moment isn't he so it's just looking at some of the sides that are available and I think like with Jamie Vardy when he had that cracking season for Leicester and Arsenal went straight in for him maybe that ship sailed and it's just a case of now you know you either stay at Tottenham or you go to a different country and and look on and that's the thing for me I think the last time I don't know when Harry Kane signed his last contract his most recent one but I think he made a mistake then when he did that because I think at that point in time he should have let his contract run down yes clubs will have had to pay more for him but he will have had that opportunity to go to United. They've not had a world-class striker in God knows how long, have they? Um, he could have gone to City. You know, Aguero for the past three or four years before Haaland came into the equation, he wasn't the, his old self. There, there were rumours that City were sniffing around him. Um, for me, I think he's missed the boat. I think he's been really loyal to Spurs. And again, like you say, Sam, that's really admirable. It honestly really is very, very admirable. But ultimately, at the end of his career, you know, being admirable is not going to get him a Premier League winners medal, and um, and for me that's what it's all about. So uh, it's an interesting topic, and I'm sure we'll see what happens, um, you know, at some point down the line, and we'll uh, we'll be all over it on loaded sport. Yeah, time will tell, and it looks like he's likely to be in a Spurs shirt for the weekend. The other signing to talk about that I think has uh, upset a few Everton fans is that of Ross Barkley rejoining the Premier League to go to Luton after spending a year out at Nice. Now I know a couple of Everton supporters have said that they'd be happy to see Ross Barkley. Back at Everton, do you think he's still got something to offer, Sam? I'll start with you. Do you think he's still got something to offer in the Premier League, especially for a club like Luton, who a lot of people have, of course, got tipped to go down? Yeah, maybe Luton. It's probably probably a decent lot of signing for Luton. You, you look right through their their squad, and there's no household names in that Premier League household names, especially. So, I think it'd be a good signing for Luton. I'm not really sure what Everton fans are on about saying they'd have him back at Everton. I think Luton's about one of the only Premier League clubs I probably would have him at. Maybe Sheffield United after after all, <laughs> there it kept shaking his head. So that's even Sheffield United fans don't want him. So that uh, that tells you everything. So yeah, for me, it's um, it's a good, it's a decent signing for Luton, but. Uh, if I were an Everton fan, I definitely wouldn't be. Um, I would be too envious over it myself. What about yeah. you, Aggie? What do you reckon? No, I, I think he's a good signing for Luton. I think he's got that bit of Premier League experience that they need to. You know, like we, I think it was Kemp that mentioned it last week, or it might have even been you, Sam. That the way Luton are doing this is they know they're going to go down, so they're preparing themselves to battle to go back up on a more regular basis. So yeah, I think they've set themselves up quite nicely. But I notice my shoulders keep disappearing. <laughs> I was just going to say, mate, lean back. You've got a fucking disco going on on your shoulders here. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um, yeah, I think he's a good signing uh, for Luton. So, yeah, they're the they're main signings that have taken place over the course of this past week. Would expect still a little bit. 
Not well, a good bear, it? Yeah. Expect a little bit more to uh, to go on before the end of the transfer window, of course, in about three weeks' time. So, uh, the other bit of news that has come out of the Premier League, and I'm surprised by this one being just a couple of days before the Premier League actually starts, and that is the departure of Wolves manager and bringing in Gary O'Neill. So, we'll start by, uh, we'll come to you first for this one, Kemp, of course. A managerial change five days before the season gets underway. Do you think this has kind of upset Wolves' rhythm and, and preparations through pre-season? Yeah, it's almost as bad organisation as Sheffield United, to be fair. Um, you look at the pre-season and, and the amount of time that Lopetegui and the board have had to discuss how little transfer activity they're going to be doing. But listen, we all know why they're not doing any transfer activities because they've got to fall in line with financial pl- fair play. We know that. Um, but the problem is, is that you know you have that conversation at the start of the window, don't you? You know, you say, right, Julian, this is the amount of money that you're going to have to spend. Are you happy with that? And he's going, to, you know, and the, and the figure is not, and and he's going to say, well, no, I'm not happy with that. And it's like, all right, okay, well, off you go. You, know, you don't fit into our plans. You don't fit into our project. Let's say, bring somebody in who's going to be accepted, accepting of that. Gary O'Neill's going to be accepting of that because, um, you know, he, he wants a job in Premier League, and nobody else is going to give it him at this point in time. Um, and to be fair, I think he, I think he deserves a job in Premier League. I think he did a really good job last season with Bournemouth, and I think he deserves another shot at it. He deserves another crack, and I think it'll be interesting to see how he gets on, but. Yeah, for me, it it it, it screams um, poor planning, and and that's something I know a lot about in recent times with my football club. Um, but it, it seems like as well that they're a little bit all over the shop. Um, and before the start of the season, I thought right, you know, there'll probably be about seven or eight teams that will be in like a mini group at bottom at league, all just sort of trying to survive. And Wolves were in that little mini group. But I think after the last couple of weeks, I think that little mini group's changed into even a smaller mini group where I think Luton, Sheffield United and Wolves will really, really be cut off from the pack. Um, and I think they are now after this uh, after this outcome, losing a lot of key players, Ruben Neves, etc. Um, and now losing a manager like Lopetegui, who did all right for him last season. I think it's uh, doomed them back to the Championship, unfortunately for them. Yeah, I'm not going to touch on that uh, Wolves subject too much because you've pretty much covered exactly my opinion on that. So I am just going to come straight back to you, Kemper. I'm just going to ask, mate, what the fuck is going on with your lot at the minute? Uh, Dawson, I know Dawson wanted us to to broach this question. Uh, And again, it's one of them times where I wish you could uh, get recording off-camera moments because Kemp's currently got his head in his hand right now. Um, Dawson wanted us to ask on air what uh, what's what's going on with your club. Come on, because we've had a boatload of ex- we had an exodus on on site on players leaving the club, top top players. Well, uh, who got you where you are now? Um, and then all of a sudden we're getting these news coming out that the bonuses haven't been paid for the the promotion bonus from from last year. So, mate, just in line us, what the fuck is happening with your lot? I wish I could tell you. <laughs> I wish I could tell you. I wish I knew. Um, yeah, it's, it's extremely worrying, isn't it? It's extremely worrying going into a Premier League season and having your four best players that, that played for you to get you promoted, McAtee, Doyle, Bergen and Jai, uh, they've gone. They've all gone, you know, before the start of the season. Um, it's scary. We have made a sign in Vinicius Souza, a really, really good defensive midfielder by all accounts, but it's um, it's worrying. Uh, it's not feeling good to be a blade at the minute. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, that's crazy, by the way. Let me just stop you there. That's crazy. You've just come up. You're about to hit your first... Well, Premier League season again. Not the first in a while, like Dawson thought, first in a long time. But uh, 
But yeah, you, you'd think you'd be buzzing, wouldn't you? You're ready for the season, yeah. you've got your season ticket, you go in at weekend, Palace at home, nice winnable game, and you fucking you look no. you look down, aren't you? You look fucking down. <laughs> um yeah, Sheffield United are really putting me through the ringer, mate. They really are. Um no, it's just worrying, mate. It really is. And and I and I've so, I was speaking to my dad about it earlier, obviously Big Blade as well, where I get it from. Cheers, Dad. I couldn't be a Man United fan, could I? Um <laughs> you, you, I talked to my dad about it earlier and I sort of said We've got to look at it this way. We're going to see some really good quality players at Bramall Lane this year. None of them are going to play for us. <laughs> but, you know, we're going to see some good quality. But um, yeah, it, it, so the Prince Prince Abdullah, who's our chairman, um, said at the start of last season, I think it was, or it might have even been the season before, I'm going to run this like a business. I'm not going to put in what we're not getting out. I'm not going to prop you up. I'm not going to try and you know get involved as an owner. I don't know anything about football. So I'm running it as a business and you do what you want. We we were close to going into administration for unpaid things. Um, we um, we had a transfer embargo for a short amount of time. Uh, we had to, did some really really good business on the cheap. And Ella, I mean Hodzic, right centre back again. Doyle and McAtee from Man City on loan. Really really good business that got us up in Jai through the youth academy. Signing when he's a really young kid. Sander Berg signing while we were back in the Premier League while the Prince was splashing his cash. So. You know, we had those good bits of business done that managed to get us back up to the to the Premier League. And, and part of the reason we could do that was the parachute payments from when we got relegated. The problem is that the poor planning and the foresight that we would get promoted has come back to bite us on the arse. I don't think we ever thought we'd actually get promoted. I think that's the problem. I think we thought we'll get close, we'll get playoffs and Jay will leave, Berg will leave and then we'll just be kind of mid-table championship fodder for until Prince sells the club. And Jai turned out to be better than we could have ever expected. McAtee and Doyle. McAtee's going to be pushing Man City first team next season. Let me tell you, he's that good. You know, Doyle's a really good player as well. Signed some really good players. Got some, you know... They kept in then City, yeah. They're not loaned him back out. Nope, nope. That says everything, doesn't it? He's going to be featuring, mate. Let me tell you, he's a fantastic player. But yeah, it's just poor planning. We know we've not tied these players down to new contracts, thinking that we're going to get promoted into Premier League. Um, and the vast majority of our players are out of contract to end end at season, and that's the problem. You know, if if your players are out of contract to end at season, you you've got to sell them because if you don't sell them, then you're going to lose them for free. You know, if we get relegated back into Championship, losing Jai for free, lose Berg for free, you know, lose all these players for free. We are fucked. Like we are fucked, fucked, fucked. So we've made a bit of money. We've made a bit of cash off these these player sales. You know, and Jai's one is twenty mil uh, after all add-ons and stuff. Berg's, I think it was twelve, was it? Twelve mil. Yeah, so, you know, we've got, so thirty mil to reinvest into the squad. And to be fair, to be fair, Hecking Bottom, our manager, has said that the prince has told him that we will be reinvesting all of that back into the first squad. That's good. That's good. So that's good. That's good. But it's just the timing. That's the problem. It's the timing. If this had all happened at the start of the transfer window, you know, when Jai had gone and Berg had gone at the start of the transfer window, I'd be like, fuck, that's bad. But we've got a few months to be able to recruit the replacements. And Hecky's, uh, you know, transfer business in the past has always been really good. So I've got no problem with that. But it's the timing. We've got Crystal Palace this weekend. We've lost Jai. We've lost Berg. We've lost Owen. We've lost McAtee. Yes, we've made a couple of signings. But it's worrying, mate. And and to answer your question and to come back round to the start of what's happening at Sheffield United Football Club, I don't know. But I hope we can <laughs> sort it soon because I'm fucking shitting myself. God bless you. That's in it. What 
what difference a week makes. The excitement that Kemp had last week is completely. I know a fucking bold prediction was to stay up. It is fucking bold. <laughs> no, all, that it? is that's bolder, bolder than me. It's getting, bolder, than me. it's getting bolder by the week, isn't it? Fucking not off. We sound Vinicius Souza though, so it's all right. <laughs> not that Vinicius, is it? The other one. Yeah, no, I don't know. Probably his brother. Never picked up <laughs> football in his life. <laughs> Right, let's move on before we uh, we conclude the talking about football segment. And it's something that, Sam, you and I have spoken about a little bit during the week while we'll talk about the Women's World Cup. And that is uh, the differences with VAR at the Women's World Cup to what is currently being used in the men's game, either in the Premier League or international competitions as well. And that is the microphone, of course, the mic'd up officials, where if a VAR decision's being made, they then explain it to the people inside the stadium. VAR has been around now for enough years to be able to move on to the next stage across all levels of the sport, isn't it? If VAR is being used in the Premier League, we should now be able to have the mic to officials. Do you think? Yeah, and absolutely, mate. Yeah, yeah, of course. Now it's um, it's an interesting subject because, like, like you say, all, all the the referees seem mic'd up now in in this World Cup. And don't get me wrong, I am all for that. You know, get it in like rugby union. We we just, we're on the same level as the referee. We know what the thinking is. We know what the thought process and logic is. But we don't. That's the thing. They've, they've, they've mic'd themselves up to tell us the decision that we can already see around the stadium, which has big fucking projector screens that say VAR decision, no penalty, VAR decision, penalty, VAR decision, potential offside. We know what's going on because we can see. And if you don't, can't see and you're potentially partially sighted, I'm sure the person next to you or, or in fact, they even have, in, our, in our stadium announces that, that tell you what's going off nowadays. So I do not get the decision to mic the referees up and then just tell them what the decision is and not explain the process behind it. I think it's an absolute waste of time. I think if they're going to get them mic'd up again, which I am for, get them to explain the logic, get them to explain the defender has caught the last man on the ankle, he's gone down, and therefore I'm awarding the penalty. It's something as simple as that. It takes 10 seconds just to explain yourself, and then the fans will think, all right, fair enough, there's a bit of logic to it. Whereas at the minute, just to, just to mic yourself up and just, just say it is a penalty, VAR decision, it is a penalty, I just think it's an absolute waste of time. What do you reckon, or have I just completely took the words out of your mouth. No, I agree. I think it adds extra pressure and maybe unnecessary scrutiny on the officials as well at the moment because they're making those decisions with the assistance of VAR. But like you've already said, they're not really explaining or able to explain. There's all this talk about, you know, respect the officials and and players do it as well. And now, obviously, at the lower levels, we've seen sim bins, people getting booked just for talking back to the referee. But sometimes you can imagine that some of those conversations are literally why have you made that decision and the referee is outright refusing to explain themselves. So I think yeah. whilst there is a, yeah, that we do need to respect the referees because it is the toughest job in football, that goes without saying, that whilst we are respecting the referees and the officials, we also need a little bit of give back from them. And if it does mean miking up, you know, the officials to say, look, yeah, he's caught the back of the ankle, that's a penalty, or he's caught the hand there, you know, that kind of thing. It, it changes perspectives, doesn't it? And like you've already exactly. said, with, with supporters looking out on it, um, knowing what the decision is, knowing why the decision has been made, I think would, would change a lot of people's opinions and maybe reduce the amount of stress and pressure that is put on officials. Was it not? Um, we saw an official towards the back end of last season attacked after a decision that was made. Is that is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't remember the exact incident or which which ground it was at, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That happens at all levels. It happens Mit- up it and down. Mit- Mitrovic, wasn't it? Oh, Man United, Fulham. No, I think right, there was a support when... as well, wasn't there? Was there a support after a, a cup final? Was that not? Was it not? I have no idea. Not all, sure, I but... is, all I remember is Mitrovic giving the referee a little uh, little shove. It wasn't a Decanio shove, but just a little tap. And then obviously he got a, a fair fair bound for it. I'm not sure. I'm just checking it up now to see uh, if 
who it was that was, uh, but I'm sure there was somebody that was, yeah, attacked after Europa League final. Um, it was Anthony Taylor. Yeah, it was the Roma fans, wasn't it? After the after the uh, Europa League final, they they tried to attack him in airport on his way home, didn't they? But yeah, I think more more the worse than that, and that is bad. Obviously, that's terrible and it's not acceptable. But I think Mitrovic on the pitch shoving the referee as well is is equally something that we need to be considered and and thinking about. Mm, absolutely. Happens at all levels, doesn't it? And it, it should be stamped out as early as grassroots, people disrespecting referee. But yeah, like you say, I, with, with this with this mic'd up thing, you, you're open that if we get a bit more clarity on their thought process, um, then we're probably going to, you know, respect the decision a little bit more. Uh, definitely won't agree with it in, in all aspects. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that's going to be a thing, but... Yeah, you just think if you hear their logic behind it, it kind of gives sheds a bit more light and a bit more reason as to it. But again, that's what they're not doing at the minute. They're just getting the mic up for the Women's World Cup and they're just reading out a decision, what they've made and not the reason for it. So for me at the minute, what what's currently in process in the Women's World Cup is a waste of time. If they're going to do it, do it right. Do it the whole nine yards. But yeah, it's um, in its current state, it's not, not going to work for me. You know, it helps when people sit there and think you've got that decision wrong anyway. You know, we've spoken about VAR still making wrong decisions. I say it a lot. So, yeah, that sort of thing will uh, will certainly play its part. So hopefully we'll see a bit of a change in VAR over the course of the year. And, and this trial, I'd say, has been a bit more successful than than um, than in past years. So, yeah, we'll go with we'll go with that. I'm just watching Kemp scratch his head in the, the blurriness of it as well. So completely thrown me off. Kemp, anything you want to input into uh, VAR? No, apologies for scratching my head and, and, and throwing you off, uh, but I thought with you being journalism for so long, you'd be a bit more professional than that, mate. Just the blurriness. Just the blurriness. It's me with needing glasses, isn't it? It's what it is. Right, we will uh, we will move on from talking about football. We're only a couple of weeks away from the NFL season, and of course this weekend we do get the excitement of the returns of pre-season fixtures. Anybody in particular that you're looking out for, uh, hoping to see a good little uh, glimpse of Sam from, from the Packers? Yes, mate. I am uh, looking forward to seeing a lot of, well, I'll say a lot, a bit of Jordan Love. Um, we had a joint practice with the Bengals uh, yesterday, I believe it was, a two and a half hour session. Um, got a little bit tasty. Um, Love threw a couple of uh, decent throws. One was a deep ball to Romeo Dubs, who again, year after year, he seems to be tearing it up in preseason. Started the regular season really well for us last year in his rookie year, but then obviously he got hit with quite a lot of injuries. So yeah, Romeo Dubs and, and Jordan Love are two players I'm really looking forward to seeing in preseason. Um, we've also got the um, uh, Van Ness as well, the, the rookie, a first round pick uh, defensive end, nicknamed the Hercules. So we're, we're expecting big things out of him and apparently he's been tearing it up as well in preseason. Things got a little bit dicey apparently for... But the Packers and Bengals um, mixed mixed session. We uh, we had a little bit of a scuffle. Um, Elton Jenkins, our, our guard, went out and put a bit of a pancake block on their their defensive end, and their defensive end didn't like it. Re- re- he reacted back to him a bit, a bit of handbags afterwards, and then it ended up with Elton Jenkins hitting him in, in in the face, which I never understand why they do that. He hit him in the helmet, which I think you're going to be a lot worse off. But so uh, he got ejected, didn't, didn't return, didn't return to practice after that. And we ended up having to get a, a backup in at guard for the, for the remainder of the practice. But yeah, typical preseason stuff. Then mixed sessions are always a little bit, a little bit fiery. And we are playing them tomorrow night at midnight at UK time. So I definitely will be catching I think I'm going to watch all of Jordan Love because I've got a feeling he'll definitely not play longer than than the first half. So I think I might watch the first quarter or the first half, see how he's getting on, and then uh, 
call it bedtime. There we go. Kemp, you sounded a bit excited when we were talking about the fact the NFL will be back soon. Is this a case of, again, last season you're excited with the Giants, this year you're going to be disappointed? Uh, no, I'm excited about the NFL season returning. I'm not excited about pre-season. I don't think it means anything. I don't think it's worth looking into it. I'll probably watch the highlights of our game. I think we're playing the Lions. Uh, I'll be looking to see what Jalen Hyatt does. Um, he's come out in press during the uh, training camp and said that he wants to be the offensive rookie of the season. So no pressure there, kid. Um, but but yeah, uh, it's going to be nice to see the rookies get a show, like Sam has just said. But yeah, it, it, it really means less than... Uh, association football preseason, in my opinion, the NFL. There's so many players that are fighting it out for contracts and trying not to get caught and trying to put in a good performance. I think it's impossible to to look at the team's performance and think, oh yeah, that's how we're going to play throughout the regular season. So yeah, hopefully we you know we don't pick up any major injuries. Uh, we look pretty good at the moment. So let's let's carry on the momentum. We've got Barkley back. We've got Jones tied down. Hopefully he can make year on year improvements again and. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's try and even do one better than we did last year. Go G men. Are you um are you worried about the the green men next door to you making all the noise over this off season with deciding the Rogers? Are they are they the new new in team in New York? No, they fuck. Giant, Jets never will be. It's always about the New York Giants. <laughs> That's, you bold, know that. mate. That's bold. You know That's... that. You know that. But no, no. Listen, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. He's a legend of the game, and obviously you love him to bits. And understandably, you know he's an unbelievable quarterback, one of the best we've ever seen. But He's, he's on the downslide of his career. He, last couple of seasons in, in Green Bay really didn't look very good again, whether that was the scheme and and, and your head coach that didn't quite match with him. Probably probably a bit, bit of both, that. But a bit of both, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think the Jets are... I think the Jets are a group of very talented individuals. I think the Giants are a team of not that talented individuals, but we all bloody work hard. And I think I know I'd, I'd prefer to support in that respect. So... Yeah, go G-Men and fuck the Jets. Mm. I fancy him. I fancy him this year. I must admit to do do to do bits the Jets. I've got um... how, much, how much is a, how much is a bit because mm. I, I, I might smell money in this if if depending on how much you want to do. I, I fancy him. To, I fancy him to make the playoffs, which I think is is quite. You, you put you pull a face, but you have to remember the division they're in. They're in. They're in the mm. Bills division. They're in Miami's division are always competitive. They're in obviously New England are always fucking difficult to beat. So they're in one of the hardest divisions in football. And I think I think they will make the playoffs, which is not too bold because they have got Aaron Rodgers who makes the playoffs almost year in, year out by this this last season gone. But um yeah, I, I think um I think they'll do well this year. I really do. Mm, well we'll see. And uh, yeah to be fair if they do, brilliant. That'd be great. Imagine a Jets Giants Giants uh, Super Bowl. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? But, that'd be uh, unbelievable. New York's yeah, fucking rocking. <laughs> oh my, I'd go. I'd fuck it. I'd go to New York. I wouldn't you'd go to. to the Super Bowl. I'd just go to New York. Yeah, but yeah. You know, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. And yeah, Jets are going to be obviously a different team this season. They're going to set up very differently, but um, we'll see. I'll still back the Giants to uh, to maybe go one further than last season, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll get the job done. But you know, we we were very very far away from the Eagles in that uh, in that playoff game, so we've got to make some big strides. Hopefully, we can do that. Yeah, I think that's what your your off season has been about. I think just decreasing the gap between yourselves and the Closing Eagles, the gap. especially the fact that you're both in the same division. I think that's they're the ones, they're the the best team in the NFC. They're, they're in your division, so you've got you've got to try and keep within touching distance of them before you do anything else. So yeah, completely agree with that. Adam, what are your thoughts on preseason? Are you excited? Looking forward to seeing the Seahawks. 
Yeah, in a similar sort of aspect to you, obviously preseason doesn't mean too much. It just gives us a chance to see some of the, you know, the, the rookies kind of see where they're at as well. Uh, I've seen in warm up in in practice, there's so much from uh, Smith and Jigba that I don't like. We've mentioned before, I don't really watch college football too much, so all I've really seen of him is when they've shown it on draft night and little clips here and there. So the stuff that I've seen of him shows that we've got three incredible wide receivers. If Geno Smith can find them throughout the season, Kenneth Walker as well. So uh, is now running back number one. So, yeah, a lot for me to look forward to in the upcoming season and hopefully some glimpses of that in the next couple of weeks in preseason. I don't want to talk too much about the NFL and predictions and expectations, that sort of stuff, because, of course, in two to three weeks' time, we'll be doing a preview show uh, looking towards the NFL season, similar to what we did with the football season about a week ago. But, Kemp, I'll come back to you now because it is time for another edition of Kempy's Combat Corner. Tell you what, just before jumping to Compact Corner, they, that was fucking lovely, by the way, talking about NFL. First time in it, it feels like fucking forever. So, yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing. We're just right corner. And that's, that's the big gripe, I think, with me with the NFL, is that it's just like such a long off-season, isn't it? February, yeah. to, February yeah. to September is ridiculous. Most of the year, you're not watching NFL. So, mm-hmm. uh, But I get why it's not they don't extend it, because it's a fucking rough game, so fair yeah. enough. Um, but yeah, thank you, Aggie. Kempi's Combat Corner is back and uh, it's in line with the, the returning Anthony Joshua. Uh, he is fighting this weekend, originally slated to fight against Dillian White. Um, that fight has now been pulled. Dillian White tested positive for a banned substance during his VADA testing and has been withdrawn from the fight. So has been replaced by Robert Hellenius. Robert Hellenius, um, in his most recent fight, and guess when that was, Sam? His most recent fight was last weekend. So he's, oh, he's yeah. fresh. I've seen Eddie Ian. Yeah, I've seen Eddie Ian talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he's, he's coming off a win, three round win, a bit of a demolition job. But I'm sure he'll have been fighting a tomato can. Uh, but but you've got to get the job done. And he did so. Um, his fight before that was a, a very convincing knockout defeat to the former WBC champion of the world, Deontay Wilder, who may potentially be in attendance at the fight at the O2 Arena on Saturday night. Um, with a with a potential fight in Saudi Arabia with Anthony Joshua on the horizon, if he should win, um, it's going to be a very very exciting night. And the reason I say that is because the final four fights of the evening are all heavyweight bouts: Johnny Fisher versus Harry Armstrong, Derek Chisora versus Gerald Washington, Philip Pergovich versus Dempsey McQueen McKean for the uh, IBF mandatory uh, t- shot against uh, Alexander Usyk or Daniel Dubois, depending on who wins that fight. And then the main event, as I say, is Anthony Joshua against the late replacement in Robert Hellenius. This is going to be a fantastic card for the casuals. And that's good because a lot of casual fans do come out to watch Anthony Joshua. He always draws numbers. No matter what you think to him, no matter what you think of his style, me personally, I think he's very overrated and I think he's very robotic. But at the same time, he draws eyes to the sport and he's done a lot for British boxing. But this is a perfect, perfect card for somebody to watch if they want to stick something on and want to see knockouts because I can pretty much guarantee there will be knockouts. Sam, as I said at the top, the top of Kempi's combat corner, there, Dillian White was withdrawn from the fight due to testing positive for a banned substance under VADA testing. Yeah, um, they've got Robert Hellenius in as a late replacement, not the most inspired of replacements because he's, he, let's be honest, is nowhere near AJ's level. But they, they can only do so much, and, and that's what they've done. So, yeah, how much do you think we're going to learn from this weekend, if anything at all? 
Um, you know what? Actually, I, I think we've got potential to learn a bit on this weekend. Uh, fully, we all expect uh, AJ to go and go and win quite convincingly. But we also did this in his last fight, and I think in his last fight was another one of them fights where who was it? Who was it fighting again? I can't, I can't remember his name. Um, um, it were another. It's, it's bad. It's so bad that we don't remember. Either. I know. And, and this is the thing. I was at, I was at, I was at Bramall Lane at the weekend watching us get thrashed by Stuttgart. And I could listen to, I was listening to these two lads behind me in the queue for a pie, and they were talking about Anthony Joshua's last fight, and I couldn't fucking remember who it was. So, yeah, you, you pull up a very, very good uh, point there, and when you say his name, I'll be really pissed off. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a, it was a fight that we all um, we all fully expected him to win uh, and win comfortably. And, and uh, let's be fair, he didn't. It, it looked pretty poor in that fight. I know we're both I think scrambling now to Google. Is like Jermaine Franklin, Jermaine, Jermaine Franklin, Franklin course it was. That's yeah, the boy. and we all expected him to batter him. Let's be fair, and it just didn't happen. It didn't happen at all. And we thought, hold on a minute, this is not the demolition job we thought it was going to be. So if if it goes into this fight and it happens again, I'm all I'm, I'm thinking. That, that wilder fight, you know, it's scaring me to death. If I'm AJ, um, I know, I know, he's not the, the best boxer in the world, but it can definitely throw a punch. And uh, and AJ's had a little bit of a suspect uh, chin in the past, so mm. let's um, let's see. But yeah, it's it's an interesting fight. I, I, you can't fault uh, matchroom boxing for this one at all. Eddie Ains had his hands tied. Let's be fair. Um, is is dealt the, the hand is you know playing the hand has been dealt is is is. Pulled someone in, and fair play to Elenis. He's coming in after this short notice, just off the back of his fight, and is willing to step in the ring with AJ. Obviously, he's going to have a, a decent payday from that. Probably the best he's ever had. Um, but yeah, no fair play to fair play to all parties for just cracking on with it. Fair play to AJ because he could have quite easily just said, you know what, I've not trained for this guy, so I, I want to push it back a month or so. So yeah, I'm glad we've got a fight on. If it, the fight had been cancelled, it would have been an absolute disaster, for, especially for the heavyweight division. But yeah, you know what, mate? I'm, of all the fights, I'm really looking forward to seeing Del Boy back in action. There's just something about him. There's something about him that I just really fucking like. Is 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 um? It's just like a. It's like a, just one of us, isn't it? It's just a fucking regular. It seems like a regular bloke off street that they just, and it can fucking throw in a good shift and all bless him. Yeah, he's a, he's a character. He's Derek Jesus, yeah. bless him, and he's still still really having a good go at late at this late stage in his career. Um, he commands a lot of money, Derek Chisora, but he does draw a lot of eyes to the sport. And uh, you know, he said in the he's even in the press conference. I don't know if you saw it the other day, but I didn't. You know, he says he says things that he's not meant to say. He reveals secrets that he's not meant to reveal. <laughs> you know, he, he called Eddie Earn out for not wanting to put him on the card and said, "Oh, the only reason I'm on the card is because the Saudis are paying me to be on the card," which is true. The Saudi Arabians are paying Derek Chisora to be on a matchroom card because because he's signed with Skills Challenge in Saudi Arabia because it's Derek Chisora, and of course he has. But yeah, no, he's a real good character. He's brilliant for British boxing. Listen, he's not in it to win world titles anymore. He's in no. it to, to have a dust up and uh, and to make some money. And, he's, and, and I'm sure Derek Chisora will make good money from the fight, most definitely. But yeah, like you say there, Matchroom's hands were tied. Um, they, they did what they, they had to do and they, they, they did only what they could do. Um, it, 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 at this short notice with Dillian White being withdrawn from the fight. Um, not sure as to why, not sure as to what substance he has been uh, withdrawn for. Uh, Dillian White will get his chance to prove his innocence, hopefully, uh, with due process. He has denied it, hasn't he, as well, to be fair? Yeah, I mean, they all do, to be fair. They they all do until, you know, conclusive evidence comes out that they have been cheating. You know, Lance Armstrong denied it for a very long time, didn't he? So, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah it's, it's one of them where let's hope that Dillian White, for British boxing, for his career, he can get back on track. You know, you've seen Tyson Fury, Canelo Alvarez, Canelo Alvarez, they've both popped for, you know, banned substances in the past. 
and they've come back to have, you know, solid glittering careers. Dillian White won't have that, but hopefully he can get back to, you know, um, fighting in, in, in big events going forward. But yeah, um, yeah, Joshua, gun shy, robotic, um, a little bit slow, laboured, uh, laboured. Um, gun shy is probably the perfect description I've been, heard. It's not been the same Joshua that we saw beat Charles Martin. It's not been the same Joshua we saw fight Klitschko. It's not been the same Joshua that we've, you know, that Anthony Joshua who was on the rise, knocking everybody out, the exciting young British prospect that everybody saw. Um, it's not been the same guy, and it's not been the same guy since he lost against Andy Ruiz in their first fight. Um, yes, he beat him in the second fight convincingly by a points decision, but then, you know, had the fights with Usyk and got, pretty much dominated both times. Did better in the second fight, but but Usyk was just too good for him and, and got widely um, outpointed in that fight as well. And he was in trouble, actually, at the end of the first fight as well. Um, but, but yeah, then came back against Jermaine Franklin, as you say, and won the fight comfortably. There's no question about that. Definitely won the fight comfortably. But I think what you were sort of referring to there is the performance. And, you know, against Jermaine Franklin... You know, Jermaine Franklin's most recent fight to that was a loss against Dillian White. So, you know, he's not the top of the food chain. He's he's not even top 15, in my opinion. And and AJ still couldn't get him out of there. In home turf, you know, new trainer, you'd think he's really up for it, but doesn't want to put himself in harm's way. And And that's the problem is that, you know, in boxing, when you're a heavyweight and you want to go for those knockouts, you know, you need to put yourself in harm's way. To get yourself into a position where you're knocking people out, you need to be in a position where they can potentially knock you out as well. You need to be in range. And and unfortunately, with Joshua over the last few fights, as we've seen, is that he just hasn't been. And I think I agree with you in the sense that, you know, if he if he boxes at Robert Hellenius up and, he, you know, keeps him at range for 12 rounds and, and beats him up, that's great. Well done. But that still doesn't convince me that you can go toe-to-toe with Deontay Wilder. You know, if he comes out and he looks like the AJ of old and he really presses the action and knocks Hellenius out in three rounds, then great, you know, I'm all in, you know, bring on the Wilder fight, get him in the ring and let's have a face off and brilliant, brilliant, yeah, do it. But if he doesn't do that and if he can't get Hellenius out of there and God forbid if he loses, then, you know, we're not in that same position and to be fair, I don't think the appeal for Joshua Wilder will be anywhere near as big as it is if, if he does go in there and get the job done. I mentioned there that God forbid if he loses, Sam, but in the first Andy Ruiz fight, his, his original opponent, Jamel, Jamel, Jamel Miller, I think it is, Big Baby Miller, um, he got popped for steroids and was banned and was withdrawn from the fight on short notice. Andy Ruiz took the fight and knocked Joshua out. There is a similarity there, a big one. Is there mm-hmm. any chance we could see a repeat of that and potentially the end of AJ's career on Saturday night? Well, at the end of the day, it's heavyweight boxing, so we all know there's a, there's a puncher's chance of, of that happening. Um, I'm just checking the odds then, as you were saying that. Robert Elanius, currently 9-1 to one, um, to, to beat Anthony Joshua. Um, I can't see it. I, I can't see it at all. Um, I, I'm trying to remember the odds on the uh, Jermaine Franklin fight. It might have been even slightly greater than that. Um, but no, I, I can't see it. I want to see two things from the fight uh, on Saturday night. I want to see a convincing Joshua win. And I want to see no 
no ring antics after it's done. I don't want to see fucking about with microphone. It's, for some reason, he's got it in his head that he has to go do a big speech afterwards just because uh, Tyson Fury started doing it. And it, it just doesn't seem to come across well, especially in these later fights. It seems he's egotistical. It seems he's like he's got... A, well, he clearly has got a chip on his shoulder. And I don't want to see any of that. I want to see him in the ring, take care of business, say a couple of words and get out of there. But I just I don't want to see any of that fucking idiocy, what he's been doing over the last couple of times. Yeah, and I think it, people was, were endeared to Joshua earlier in his career because he'd go in there, he'd do an absolute fucking demolition job on somebody, and then he'd come out after saying, thank you to Matt's room, thank you to my trainers, thank you to my family, I'll be back. That's all he needed to say. That is all he needed to say. He's got Eddie Hearn who can speak for him. Eddie Hearn yeah. is one of the is, is the best talker in boxing, right? He can talk the back legs of a fucking donkey. He can talk his way out of a room with no doors. You say what you want about you say what you want about Eddie Hearn being a, being a, a, a snake oil salesman as Simon Jordan calls him or whatever. But he's a promoter. He promotes. He talks his fighters up. Sam, he can sell me on anything, Eddie Eddie Hearn, and he has done in the past. You know, he's he sold us all on on Joshua being the best heavyweight in the world, which he never fucking was. You, know, you look back at that now and think, geez, he was nowhere near best heavyweight in the world. But Eddie Hearn made us believe that. So yeah, you're absolutely right in that. Um, and I would like to see Joshua go in there, do a demolition job and then get out of there unscathed, ready for Wilder. You know, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing, I wouldn't mind him squaring up with Wilder in the middle of the ring saying, I'll see you in wherever, yeah. see you in Saudi Arabia. That'd be good. That'd be a nice little photo op, build up for the fight. Brilliant. Fantastic. But yeah, it's, it's out of character. He's not got that same charisma as Tyson Fury's got to get the crowd singing along with him and whatever. He's, he's not that, you know, he's robotic in the ring and he's a little bit robotic on the microphone as well. He's a little bit robotic out of the ring as well and it just doesn't quite sit. So, yeah, I don't think it is in his best interest to do that as well. Um, you mentioned there about uh, about the, uh, the the odds, 9-1, to one, Hellenius is. Um, Andy Ruiz Jr. closed in as a 10-1 to one underdog when he beat oh, okay. Joshua in the first fight. So I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But I think with the way Joshua's mindset is at the minute, and Hellenius, you know, he's, he's, he's just come off a, a fight. You can look at that in two ways. You can look at that and think he's never been more ready in his life. Or you can look at that and think, mm, is he is he jumped in a little bit too soon after after a dust up? To be fair, he won in three rounds, won really convincingly. They didn't take any damage, which is why he's been allowed to box in this one. So I wouldn't be the most surprised in the world if we got a Robert Hellenius uh, surprise. If we got Holy a Robert shit. Hellenius win, um, I don't think it will happen. But I wouldn't be blown over shocked because I genuinely do think Joshua now is at the point where I don't think he's got any fight left in him. You know, Eddie Hearn, I heard him this week talking about it, saying, I just want Josh to win. I just want him to win it. I don't care how he wins. I just want him to win. And I'm sitting there thinking, Charlie Nicholas, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. I'm sorry, but that's just not good enough. He needs to go in there and he needs to put a demolition job on Hellenius. And the reason I think Eddie Hearn said that is because he wants to dampen expectations. And I don't think he thinks, you know, he wants everybody to go out there and say, Joshua needs to knock him out. Joshua needs to knock him out. Because if he doesn't do that, then people will be doubting his ability going into that, that Deontay Wilder fight. And, you know, unless he puts in a really good performance against Hellenius, you know, I would advise him strongly against taking that Wilder fight as well, because he'll get his fucking head knocked off. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's worrying times. But let's let's behave with the speculation, get over it all, and let's get down to brass taxes. Sam, who wins this fight, and in what method? In what round, decision, points, whatever it might be? Who wins, and how do they do it? I am going to say it's Anthony Joshua by an unconvincing 
decision, unanimous decision. Um, I don't think there's going to be a knockout. I think it's going to be another fight that after we're done, we're going to be talking exactly as we were doing after the Franklin fight. We're not quite convinced. He had, it could, he left a lot in the ring. He could have, you know, put himself out there a bit more, got himself a bit like gun shy, as you said earlier, it was a perfect term for him. And I think we're going to see a bit more of that myself. And it just seems to, it's turned this corner in his career where he just seems, his, his, his fighting style has completely changed and he just seems cagey, he's doubting himself. And I, and I think this fight is going to be exactly the same. I think, the, and the, especially the fact that it's going to be, it's a completely unknown opponent that he's not been training for. He's going to have that little bit of doubt in him, a little bit of, you know, second guessing himself. And I think it's going to show. So I think he'll win. I think he'll win quite convincingly, but I do think it'll be a, um, it'll be, a, it'll go to the decision. I also think Anthony Joshua will win. I don't think it will be convincing. I think he will struggle. I think there will be arguments and I think there will be a controversial decision at the end of the night. Um, I think Joshua will will win by unanimous or split decision. I'll put my neck out on the line and say majority decision, which means one person's got it for Hellenius. Well, one person's got it as a draw and two people will have it for, two judges will have it for Joshua. Uh, but yeah, I think he'll struggle. Um, I don't think he'll get into his rhythm. Alanius is he's a big lad. He's a really big boy. Six foot odd. I think he's taller than Joshua or just as tall. Um, so he's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna be able to box him at range like he did Ruiz or anything like that, or, or Franklin, because Franklin was much smaller as well. And like you say, Sam, that's the type of opponent he's been preparing for. Dillian White's a lot smaller than him. Robert Hellenius is a really, really big, big guy, good jab, got a bit of power behind him. Um, I don't think he'll he'll knock Joshua out, but I think Hellenius will 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 have the better of it, and I think Anthony Joshua will win by by a bit of a bullshit decision, um, and I think they may potentially have to pivot after the fight and potentially go back to White if he is found innocent because, yeah, um, I don't think it'll be convincing, and I don't think many people will be buying the Wilder fight afterwards, but. Uh, but but there you go, Adam. I don't know if we, we rarely bring you in in Kempi's combat corner. There's a reason for that. Um, but Joshua, I know Anthony Joshua is a big draw. Gets a lot of casual fans involved in fighting. Are you planning on watching the Joshua fight this weekend? And 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 what do you think will happen if you are? I probably won't be, mate. But in from what you guys have been saying, it's going to be a bit of a uh, a tough fight for Joshua. I do think he's going to edge it based on what you've been saying so far. But yeah. I'm not probably won't be watching it. I'm afraid my knowledge isn't up there with what you guys know either. So no, that's fair enough. And I, I thought that may be the case, but you know, when, when there's a Joshua fight in, you know, let's let's try and get everybody involved because that's the one that people are most likely going to be watching. Um, just looking at some... just looking at the stats there, Kemp. Before you carry on, mate, uh, Anthony Joshua six six, um, Elanius six six point five. So nothing in it. Reach though, Joshua do, does slightly have him there. Joshua eight two inch reach, whereas Hellenius has a seventy nine inch reach. So there's not a deal in it between them both. So yeah, like you say, completely different style of fighter that he has been preparing for, which is going to cause him some issues. I think. Yeah, and I think you know what, Dillian White was a really good opponent for him because he's a little bit donk. He'll come straight forward. He's there to be hit, uh, but you can also outbox him as well quite easily. And Fury did that for the first five six rounds or however that long they fought for. So um, I, I think. Joshua would have been able to outbox White pretty convincingly. Probably been in a couple of trouble a couple of times, but you know, get the job done uh, and do it quite convincingly. Like I say, though, with Hellenius, I don't think he's as as, as good as a fighter as Dillian White is. Uh, but he's big, he's long, he's rangy, he's taller than Joshua. Completely different opponent than what he's been preparing for. So uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that. We're also looking forward to Derek Chisora, as you say there, Sam. We're looking forward to Johnny Fisher. I don't know if you've seen Big John Fisher on Instagram with his Chinese takeaways, Abosh. 
Um, he's he's on there as well. He's on the card. He's Johnny Fisher. Um, and Campbell Hatton, the son of Ricky Hatton, is on the card as well. He'll be fighting Tom Ansell um, and a few young prospects on the card. As it well was the um, it, it was the Spider-Man guy. At oh, the fucking start me on that. <laughs> manga. It was that fucking guy. I weren't even I weren't even gonna I weren't even gonna address that because it was so fucking embarrassing. I think, and I'm oh god, I need to make sure that I get this right because I don't want to. It was it was Brandon Scott, right? This guy, I think he may have been brought in at fairly short notice I'm not yeah, quite sure very short notice I think Matchroom have just signed him I think um, he, he's a young prospect he's, he's a decent prospect I'm not 100% sure on his record um, yeah he's got 100% win rate so yeah he's, he's doing something right but it's a little bit embarrassing um, came in in the Spider-Man outfit making jokes that weren't landing it was really really awkward talking about oh, uh, Eddie needed to bring in a, a, a specky nerd and you know, I'm. I, I like to be on the Joshua card, even though I'm. You know, the only thing I'm going to share with him is this card because his his Willie's bigger than mine. Talking about his cock. <laughs> yeah, really strange and just didn't land. And I think it's one of them where people, you know, he thought that people were going to be like, oh, this guy. You know, what's he like? But I think people were more a little bit like, what the fuck is this? It made me laugh when uh, when he was finished doing his speech. Kind of went back to Eddie and it went. Yeah, so anyway, <laughs> Yeah, and, and, you know, when you're on the same stage as Derek Chisora, who is complete opposite of that, you know, he, he's just a fucking, he's just a crazy guy that don't don't care about being funny, just, you know, just says what he thinks and that's it. But, <clears> yeah, to have a 10, 15-minute speech prepared in your Spider-Man outfit on your, you know, first real big show that you're boxing on, to be fair, though, to be fair, Derek Chisora can't say a deal. He's the one on the on gloves off when he said to Dillian White, "I'm going to see them little pills you take, like laxatives, and they go through you. I'm going to go through you like one of them." Yeah, <laughs> Dillian yeah. White. Just goes, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that Derek Chisora is an amazing speaker. I think the difference is is that it's off the cuff and it just says what he thinks, and he's just a personality, and he's you know he, he really endearing to the fans. And then to get yourself up on you know on stage and go on to a ten minute tirade about you know a pre scripted. You know, obviously a pre preordained script that you're following in your Spider-Man outfit. It was just, it wasn't a great look. But hopefully, we can we can see him do well in the ring because outside the ring, I don't think he's endeared himself <laughs> to many people. Um, somebody else that that hasn't endeared themselves to many people outside of the ring is uh, is the problem child Jake Paul. Um, this last weekend had a fight with Nate Diaz, the former um, UFC and Strike Force uh, fighter. I think it was in Strike Force, might have been WEC, but again, being with the UFC for many, many years, big, big upset defeat, uh, victory against Conor McGregor and, and an unbelievable second fight that went all five rounds with Conor winning in the end on the scorecards. Um, but a legendary fight and a legend of the game, Nate Diaz, made his professional boxing, I think it was his debut um, at the weekend against Jake Paul. It was quite entertaining to be fair um Jake Paul is the better boxer of the two if you're looking at just pure boxing um he looked okay he didn't look brilliant to be honest he didn't make, convince me that he could go back in the ring with Tommy Fury and get that win back which is you know what people are potentially wanting Jake Paul to do if he wants to carry on his boxing career but it was typical Nate Diaz it was it was theater at one point he got uh, Jake Paul in a guillotine, which was quite hilarious, uh, and and it was sort of you know when Jake Paul was hitting him with shots, he was pretending to be hurt and then coming back to him with another shot and fainting him. Um, so yeah, typical Nate Diaz performance, and 
And Nate Diaz is better than anybody in the world at losing a fight. But when you look back, you think he won because he's just, yeah, he gets the moral victories every time. You know, he said it in the pre-fight press conference, similar to what Conor McGregor said to Floyd Mayweather. He's saying, you know, if this was a real fight, you'd be dead. And 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 Jake Paul knows it's true. You know, he, he would. Um, he got him in a guillotine. <laughs> they weren't even they weren't even in MMA. It was boxing. So yeah, a fantastic character. I'm 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 sure it did well. I hope he got a really big payday because he deserves it for everything he's done for combat sports. Um, there's a lot of interest in in him going back to MMA now. I think that's what he potentially wants to do. Uh, <clears throat> although he does say he doesn't give a fuck, as Nate Diaz often does. Um, but yeah, uh, it was a pretty convincing win for Jake Paul in the end. He had Nate, Nate Diaz down from a short right hand in, in one of the early, well, one of the middle rounds. Um, and, uh, and and that's where it ended up with a Jake Paul unanimous decision victory. And I think well-deserved as well. So not going to spend too much time on that. I don't really like talking about YouTube boxing in the same world as, as combat sports, because it's not the same thing, but you know, a, a good show all round. And, uh, and hopefully like I say, Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz made some, uh, made some money off that. The one thing I will say, and there's absolutely no chance that Jake Paul's watching this podcast. But if any fans of Jake Paul are watching this podcast, um, after the fight, Jake Paul said, we can run it back in MMA. Now, I'm not quite sure if Jake Paul understands or if Jake Paul's fans understand just how bad that would be for Jake Paul. Because I can pretty much guarantee, and this is one I would put my mortgage on, is that Nate Diaz would strangle Jake Paul quicker than Aggie start singing because tonight will be the night <laughs> I want to fuck for you well, I because, think we all kind of want to see it though don't we we all kind oh, of want to see it it would be fantastic it would be amazing it would be great you know Nate Diaz flipping the bird and kicking his legs and strangling him it would be amazing but if I'm Jake Paul if I'm a Jake Paul fan we don't want that. You don't want that. Trust me. You don't want it. There's a reason that boxers don't come over to MMA and MMA fighters go over to boxing. Because if, if boxers got in a ring, ask James Tony when he fought against Randy Couture. It would end badly. Don't do it, Jake Paul. No matter how much they're offering you, don't fucking do it. I don't even like you, but don't do it. Um, but, but there you, you can go. I can clip that. Clip that. <laughs> Get that on socials. Jake Paul, don't do it. That's what you need to call it. Jake yeah. Paul, do not do it. Do not fight with Nate Diaz because he will choke you to death. Um, Adam, you don't often get a mention in Kempi's Combat Corner, but you brought something up, um, which I think is interesting to talk about. We don't talk about WWE or professional wrestling on this podcast. It is a sports podcast. That is not a sport. It is an entertainment uh, form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. That's why we don't talk about it. But you mentioned, and I think it's a really good point, is that Allegedly, Ronda Rousey may be done with the WWE. Former UFC bantamweight champion of the world, uh, former judo performer at the Olympics. I think she was a bronze medalist, um, and she brought women's MMA to the forefront. There's no, there's no denying that. Um, but then moved across the WWE for a few years. I think she's had an okay run, um, but but now she's leaving WWE. Adam, I don't really know that much about it. But is that is that the rumor mill? Yeah, she fought against uh, Shayna Baszler at SummerSlam. So the two of them had a little bit of a feud that was going on, and it it seemingly ended at SummerSlam and it's been posted on her social media. She's done interviews where she's mentioned it and different news, um, news corporations have also said the same sort of thing. You know, she said that she's done with WWE. If that is the case and she is done with WWE and this isn't just a work and she does decide to, you know, look back towards the potential of going to UFC. We know Brock Lesnar's done it before when he's had a bit of a spell in WWE that he's then gone over to UFC as well. Is there still a market there for Ronda Rousey? Should she make that decision? to go back to UFC? Yes. 
there's definitely a market for it. Ronda Rousey was one of the biggest stars in, in MMA at the point. You know, you've got Joe Rogan, a, a, a black belt in jiu-jitsu, a taekwondo champion back in his day, and a UFC commentator for many, many years was talking about the fact that Ronda Rousey might beat Floyd Mayweather in a fight. If it was a no-rules fight, then definitely she would. But yeah, I think he even talked about boxing at one point as well. So that's how much of hype was around Ronda Rousey when she was first coming out. You know, Sam, you're not a big fan of MMA. I'm sure you heard of Ronda Rousey when she started coming onto the scene. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Everybody Massive. did. Everybody did. Everybody did. So she's a huge superstar. She's a huge name in MMA. She lost because she couldn't keep up with the current crop of bantamweights. She got smashed up by Holly Holm and then got absolutely obliterated in 41 seconds by the former uh, undisputed UFC bantamweight and featherweight champion Amanda Nunes, the lioness, the goat of women's MMA. Um, so would the market be there for a Ronda Rousey return? Yes. However, the market would only be there once because they'd make a big hype job of it. Ronda Rousey would come back to the UFC you know, she'd start training again. Everybody would be excited for Ronda Rousey to get back in the cage. And then the bell would ring. And then everybody would see how much of a difference there is in bantamweights that go to the gym every day, train every day, fight two or three times a year. They're on it all the time. And somebody that's been in WWE for the past three or four years. There's a massive, massive difference between the two. Ronda Rousey wasn't the fighter. She got very much found out when it came to the striking aspect of her game. Um, and and she would get very much found out if uh, if she got back into MMA again. So, but with any top fifteen, any top twenty bantamweight, in my opinion, at this point in time in the UFC, and she gets stopped, and she gets stopped pretty convincingly. So, yes, I think there'd be a market for her return. I think they'd do a fantastic job of hyping it up, saying Ronda's back, she's back, whatever it might be. Um, but then the buzzer would ring. She'd get absolutely obliterated because she's not done MMA for such a long time. She's fallen behind the pack. Um, and then after that, people had seen that, I think they would all pretty much unanimously agree they don't want to see it again. So the answer to your question, Adam, is yes, and then a very firm no. She can't want it, surely. She can't want it, coming back into MMA. She's not very old. You know, she's still very young. Yes, she's a mum. Yes, she's got things that she wants to do, but she always wanted to be in the WWE. She's done that. She wanted to be an MMA champion. She's done that. She's still only 36. She's, you know, really, really young in that respect. What else is she going to do? You know, she's somebody that for the past 15 years, even longer, has been at the forefront of combat sports and entertainment. You know, she's, she could do acting. She wasn't great in the Expendables. Um, where does she go if she doesn't do that? Does she just sit on the farm with, with Big Trav and just chill? Or <laughs> There's always media, isn't there? There's always like punditry and, and things like that she could go into potentially. I think I think that's probably the yeah. more realistic. I don't I don't I don't think there's any. I can't see any world in which you'd want to come back to MMA other than a, other than a payday, which I never said quite a quite a. Um, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but um, yeah, let's not forget them. Them last two fights, like you say, the 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 Holly Home fight and and then the one after that, they were fucking devastating for her, and that was when she was relatively at the top of her game. She's she's had a couple of years off. She's going to come back. She's going to be nowhere near at the level when she got her, her ass kicked then. So I, yeah. I think she'd be absolutely fucking bonkers to take that fight, unless it's a, a, a fire that's going to be steady for her to get back into get back into the uh, the octagon. Who knows? Yeah. And that doesn't exist in the UFC. That doesn't exist. You know, you can't come back into the UFC and just fight a tomato can. There aren't tomato cans in the UFC. That's why I love it. You know, apart from CM Punk, who was there for a couple of fights. You know, you're not <laughs> you're not gonna. I've got him on my shirt as well. That's not very good to say. Um, you, you've not got 
those boxers that you know they just come off the street for a payday they don't exist in the ufc to get into the ufc as an organization you need to have got some good wins you need to have something about you and every single bantamweight in the ufc signed to the ufc right now in my opinion will beat ronda rousey so should she come back no will she come back i don't know she's a fierce competitor she was in the olympics like i say wrestling from a very young age she was an mma champion she went to wwe you know people say oh it's not a competitive sport wwe it fucking is you know, you're competing to be the most entertaining. You're competing to be the top of the card and get paid the most money. You know, Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, they didn't compete physically, but they were competing for the top of the card. And that's what Ronda Rousey was doing while she was there. So, again, I don't think she should, but will she? I, I can see her coming back in one guise or another, whether it's in the UFC, whether she does a bit of boxing training and comes back for an influencer fight or something like that. I think that see might that. be the most likely thing that she might do. I think if you put a gun to my head now and say, what's next for Ronda Rousey? I'd say an exhibition, exhibition boxing match against somebody. Um, one of these influencers like, you know, El Brook. Jake Paul. Like <laughs> yeah, Jake Paul. Um, and I think she'll come back and do something like that because there'll be big money in that for her because she is still a very big name. So uh, we'll see what the future holds for uh, for Ronda Rousey. Nice one. Uh, that is all we've got for this week, lads. Only a couple of weeks away from the NFL season starting. So before we do sign off on this week's episode, Sam, I'll ask you first, what's your plans for the weekend? Yeah, um, another steady one. I keep saying, I think this is the third weekend up that, so I've, I've had no real no real answer for that one. I'm just trying to think. No, not really got any plans. Weather seems to be slightly turning for the better, so maybe a bit of time on the garden, maybe take the dog a walk. But yeah, so it's a nice quiet weekend for me, I think, and... Um, what about yourself, mate? What uh, what what you got on? We I know you you're going away. Where where are you going? Uh, I'm going to Skegness for the week, ten days. Going to go and enjoy what will hopefully be the sunshine and just chill, relax. You know, it's been a very stressful seven or eight months, and got another stressful seven or eight months before we we're due to go away again. So hopefully it'll be a nice little chilled out, relax, all four of us. Not too much pressure on spending loads of money as well. So it'd be nice. Oh, I don't know about that. Skeg Vega for 10 days, mate. You better get that wallet ready because you will be spending, boy, especially if you go into them uh, arcades with kids. Oh, I always go into the, uh, the the slots and the bandits. So, yeah, I'm, I get some get Yeah, you fucked it. You so. fucked it. But, yeah. What about you, Kemp? What are you on with me? Uh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, Crystal Palace at home. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I forgot for a split second. <laughs> really, really excited for... Uh, no, it'll be good to get back to Bramall Lane for a competitive fixture and then the whistle will go. Uh, three o'clock on Saturday afternoon, we've got that. I'm going to go for a few drinks before the game as well. I'm going to celebrate football being back before the good football lad. actually is back. Good lad. Um, and then uh, probably a curry on Saturday night. Sunday, I'm going to go over to Chatsworth area with uh, with a few of the lads and, and play a bit of football. Uh, played football on Wednesday night and uh, played pretty well, to be fair. So scored a scored a corner and genuinely leaped out of the water like a salmon. You asked Liam about it; it was fantastic. Nice. Um, and then uh, and then controversy for the first goal. Don't ask Tina about that one. Um, so uh, so yeah, I played really well. I got the bug for it again and even toying with the idea of potentially getting myself. Uh, stripping for a, for a Sunday league team. Oh, so, nice. Go on, boy. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it, it, the thing is, if I do that, it'll be football on Saturday and it'll be football no, on busy. Sunday. Be busy, 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 busy. weekend gone. So, not much time for golf, not much time for, for, for spending with my partner. So, yeah, um, not sure about that one. But, yeah, it's going to be a good weekend off football. It's going to be football related, but I'm looking forward to getting back into it. So, uh, here's to the weekend. And before we do jet off onto our weekends, I am going to run through the social medias as best as I possibly can. If you have listened to the podcast and enjoyed it, it's loaded 
underscore sports on Instagram, Loaded Sport on TikTok, Loaded Sport on Twitter. Um, if you go onto Facebook and type Loaded Sport, we're also on there as well. Um, and if you have Discord, please, please feel free to reach out to one of us or onto our social media pages to be added to our Discord chat where we talk about every single subject in the sports world. If there's not if there's not something on the on on the uh, on the chats on the channels to talk about in our Discord. It's not worth talking about. So please, please support the channel. Give us a like. Give us a thumbs up if you're on YouTube. Give us a like on on Spotify and please do subscribe. It'll help us more than you know. And thank you, everybody, for listening once again to Loaded Sport. <laughs>